Welcome to the official podcast of Fourternia.com. We have the power. I'm your host, AJ, AKA Voodoo Magic, AKA Zor. And after roughly a two month hiatus, we are back. Back with a brand new season of podcasts and kicking it all off with a very underlying, very special guest. Yes, today's episode is titled Quest for He-Man, a title borrowed from the classic filmation episode of the same name that aired almost 40 years ago, which also encapsulates our guest's journey, I think, or dare I say his destiny, which has transpired mainly over the past five years. His quest to bring He-Man back, our classic He-Man that we knew and loved as children, back onto our television screens and back into our hearts. So I would like to give a very special welcome to one of the three towers of Praternia, Masters of the Universe, Revelation and Revolution, executive producer and all-around swell guy, Ted Biaselli. Ted, welcome. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, AJ. Oh, I love that. Well, that was that was a hell of an introduction. I, although, you know, from that very same episode, Quest for He-Man, some, some may call me Plundar. So, <laughs> some may say that I, Oh, no, I should <laughs> That I have contaminated the entire landscape and the Schmidovitz are running crazy. <laughs> well, we certainly don't feel this way on this channel, so. Uh, and, and I appreciate that. I will say that you guys, um, w early on when Revelation had dropped, um, there was such a, a bright spot that was shining through with you guys. You really seem to understand exactly what we were trying to do. Like we, you know, a lot of it goes into the conception of something, right? And then, and then when you put stuff out into the space, into the, you know, the ether, it starts to take on a life of its own. And it's hard to sort of get your hands around it. It's like, no, 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 you're going down. No, this is what we're trying to do. No, stop, stop looking over that way. This is what, look at what we've done. This is what we're trying to do. And it, it starts to get like, you know, take on a life of its own. But you guys were very, very good about picking up what we were putting down the whole time. And I was like, wow, these guys get it. So thank you. You know, and, and you being a swell guy was part of it. And um, let me explain that. Um, so I called you a swell guy in the opening of this uh, podcast because truly, and this is not um, hyperbole, um, if Ted was not so nice, it is quite possible that Four Eternia would not even exist. And let me explain. Uh, I think it was back in 2021, uh, I was on the fence regarding creating foreternia.com. You know, the fan environment um, felt very hostile, as you know, um, political even. And it really didn't feel like there was truly a destination where one was not confronted by it daily. And I was just considering constructing a place that was positive and welcoming not just Dumotu fans, but fans who really loved uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation. But I knew it would take a big commitment. Um, 
And during these moments of indecision, you know, I had a question about Masters of the Universe Revelation that I decided I was going to ask you about. And I was going to ask Ted about. And um, I don't 100% remember specifically what that question was, but I think it involved a clarification of the meaning behind the death of God scene, you know, the ram, the serpent, the falcon around the lake that uh, Darklin envisioned. And, and maybe we could get into that in a little bit later. But I... I love talking about that stuff, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. Um, but I mostly thought this was honestly a fool's errand. Um, because, see, I reached out to Teddy and I never expected a response. Never honestly expected to hear back. You know, he's a big time producer at Netflix. He'll never respond to me, I figured. Who am I, right? But not only did Teddy reach back out to me and answer my questions, take the time to answer my questions, but he was courteous, he was passionate, and he was kind. And that kindness, I think, was the final nudge I needed to convince myself to, yeah, yeah, let me create this site. And since then, uh, quite frankly, it's become more than me more than revelation. Um, it's brought a super nice community together that I feel personally so lucky uh, to interact with. Um, it was just uniting with so many great positive fans that truly have enriched my life. So Ted is proof that, um, you know, like a pebble, right? Like a pebble dropped in the center of a pond that has that ripple effect. That, uh, that can pass all the way to the, you know, the edge of the pond. All it takes is a bit of kindness in the way we treat people where you can truly make an impact sometimes more than you even, you know, realize. So that was, so, that was lovely. And I'll, by the way, if, if you came to me with kindness, which you did, it's given back. So it, it, it really is chicken and the egg, man. It's it, it like you, you approached it with respect and kindness. And, and I was like, Oh, well, why wouldn't I take out the time? But it wasn't, you know, I, I got some not so kind things in my DMs as well, but you know, and, and, and there, there's a, there's a balance because look, I, I, I am a firm believer that all criticism is valid criticism, right? When you, when you're bringing it from a place of passion and love and, and devotion to something, I have been an active critic of Star Wars in recent years, right? Yeah. In all of phase four in Marvel, I've been a very, very staunch critic of, of, you know, how things have gone awry. I get it. I get it. Nobody is perfect in, in, in their intentions. And I think that the intentions to, to deliver something, let me rephrase that. Nobody is in, is is um, intentionally malicious with their execution of things. I think everyone goes in, especially in this business, into you know the creation of something that is valuable IP, right? Something that is beloved to millions. I I truly believe in the best of us that we go into it with the with the intentions to deliver something um, that is on par, that treats the project with respect. There has been plenty of examples throughout the history of entertainment where valuable IP has been, you know, yeah. kind of crapped on. And then 
and just taken in name only and kind of like, you know, slapped a, a you know, a, a something on, on a toy box to sell it. And I think that that is that there, there are wounds that people have from all of that stuff, right? There, there's absolutely plenty of examples of that, that make people um, resent when, when something new comes out, mistrust it, all of that stuff. And, and I get it. I totally get it. And I think we're at an, an era where the culture wars have sort of, have sort of gelled around certain things. And I, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I think that, um, that I think that the last, the last, the Star Wars sequels and, and some of the other things in pop culture around Motu have sort of galvanized people one way or another. Right. And, and I feel like we've lost the balance to see and embrace things that we love and things that we don't love and, and sort of are, are able to sort of sit in a more neutral space. You have to either hate it or love it. And I don't know if that's necessarily healthy for any, for any franchise to be so diametrically, you know, positioned around something. So if people, um, if, if people want 10 episodes where Adam transcends, you know, transforms into He-Man once an episode, solves a problem, and then goes back into Adam, and everything ends the way it starts. That's not what we tried to do, right? That's not what we tried to do. We set out from the very first press release. We said this is going to pick up the threads of what we wanted to do, you know, of what of what they laid down back in the '80s, and and we always said that it was taking cues from filmation from the mini comics from the golden books from the uk comics like we really really dug in on all of that and and we wanted to pick up those threads some folks didn't they missed that memo they they didn't see that or they saw that and they thought oh wait a minute this is going to literally be episode you know 131 or you know of filmation and that's and that's what it's going to be and 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 people make their own minds up for it. And then when it's not delivered on those expectations, it polarizes. And I, I get it. I totally get it. You know, Teddy, I, I think though, I think a big part of the problem is they just didn't remember the filmation show. And I'll just pull out. I agree with that too. <laughs> I will pull out just one line out of so many, right. And so many things we've seen, I think it was visitors from earth where, um, uh, there was a, a, a female astronaut from earth. Um, but she does a move on a villain, if I remember. And, um, uh, he man asked her, you know, where did you learn that? And she said, my father taught me how to cook and my mother taught me jujitsu or judo or something like that. Yeah, and I swear, if you put that in revelation, people <laughs> would have flipped out, you know, and having no idea that this is what the series was when you were sequelizing it, you know, this I is, mean, you're being faithful, you know, it's He-Man would turn and look at camera and go, girls can do anything boys can do. And sometimes they can do it better. And it's like, if I did that, oh my God, I am, yeah. I am the most, you know, woke, progressive, <laughs> insane, social justice warrior in the world. But yeah. look, all that stuff notwithstanding, all that notwithstanding, I'm I'm going to take all the culture war stuff and put it on a shelf because I think that, I think a lot of that was nonsense. Yeah. I think that there was a lot of people looking to, looking to, to make something out of this 
um, you know, we He-Man did not step down or step aside and give Tila the power sword and say, no, you go be a better He-Man than me. And Tila's not a lesbian and, and Andra is not her lover and any of that. All that craziness was not, that's not there. It's not in the show. Yeah. But I will say, if you came to this to want to see a show where He-Man came and saved the day in every episode, uh, yes, I get it. This was not that. This yeah. was not that show. We all talked about wanting to wanting to pick up those pieces. I always said I want to see the moment when Tila realizes that Adam is He-Man. That is that is me. I Rob said that. We we sat down at breakfast and we were like, that's what I want to see that moment. And anybody who remembers Filmation would know that that was never going to end well. <laughs> Tila was never the kind of level-headed, even-keeled, calm mm -hmm. person who would take that well. And also, that girl was not the person that should be the sorceress. She needed to go on a self-discovery journey to understand the bigger picture. That girl that starts out in Revelation is not the girl that ends up in Revelation, and that was part of the journey. Obviously, that takes a lot of time to tell that story and to do it, you know, effectively. If, we, if Adam did not die, if Adam did not sacrifice himself in a moment of true messianic sacrifice, if he did not do that, if he did lose the power and Tila just went on to save the day for Adam, I think it would have been even worse. I think people would have, would have looked at that as something even more of a statement of trying to emasculate someone. Instead, what he did was the ultimate sacrifice. And we got to see what his impact was on the world without him it was the day without a superman story it was it was literally having all of those people talk about the impact when orko says i miss him every day i just, and like it breaks my heart i still see that i still feel that you know man at arms lost a lot of who he was without adam in the world yeah. but he never lost the sort of the spirit of, of what Adam brought and the, and the, you know, that kind of fire in him. And I think that that was all very valuable. I do believe time will be very kind to Revelation the same way time has been very kind to Transformers the movie. Because if everybody remembers, people hated Transformers the movie. I, I remember vividly, I was, I think, I think I was 10 years old or 11 years old. And it was the first movie that I was allowed to go see by myself. Right. I, me and two friends and we went to go see Transformers the movie. I didn't realize that my dad had like been following us the whole time. And he actually sat in the movie theater just to make sure that we knew where we were going. We did it ourselves. And then he followed me back home. That's a great dad. It, it was so great. It was oh. so great. And I found that out years later. Um, but I remember sitting in Transformers the movie and I remember it visibly upsetting me that you know, Prowl was one of my very first Transformers. My dad was a cop and he bought me Prowl. Prowl's dead in, in freaking 10 minutes into the movie, he's dead. <laughs> and Ironhide's dead and Huffer's dead and they're all dead. And it was, it was honestly, it was really, really, you know, traumatic. I get it. But what it did was it made the world real. It yeah. increased the stakes, things changed it wasn't just the story that wrapped up neatly at the end of the episode and i i look at transformers the movie as one of it's one of my all-time favorite things even though as a child i was traumatized by it and i and it really broke my heart but in in time i look at it as something that was truly an achievement in in narrative storytelling for something 
based on a toy line. And that's really what we tried to do with Revelation. We wanted to give it stakes. We wanted to give it depth and weight and, and really, really ground it in the characters that you know, but, but treat them with more sophisticated you know, emotions and allow them, allow them to go past the things that the network censors wouldn't let you do in 1986, right? That's, that's what we tried to do. Yeah. And I think you accomplished it well, but, uh, okay. TBD. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so Ted, we have uh Grayskull tower, we got Viper tower and central tower. And I mentioned in the beginning that, and, um, yeah, that's what we've got those those three towers all right but but hang on so so <laughs> kevin smith refers to you three you rob david and himself as the three towers so uh which tower are you or more importantly oh. who's the serpent tower <laughs> all right i'm gonna take that one i'm gonna take the the serpent tower and i'll and i'll, t I'll tell you why i'll okay. tell you so in in our story and you'll you'll get a little bit more of this in in revolution um, if you go back to that scene in Revelation when Evelyn sees the death of God, right? Mm -hmm. um, in our mind, that's where all the sort of the religions of Eternia sort of gestated, right? There are these three gods. You have Zor, Ka, and Havoc. And, and it's sort of like a... a to back you up, Ka is the name of Tila's staff, staff, right? And the serpent is, staff. That, is, that, will, that will come into play in Revolution as well okay. so um that is a we looked at those as the three the three gods of eternity and it's sort of like a rock paper scissors scenario that the that followers cool. of zor looked at zor as you know the one who won over ka and havoc the followers of ka looked at ka as the one that won over zor and havoc and the followers of havoc looked at the one so we kind of do like a, a little bit of that you know like what is it rock paper scissors lizard spock on uh, big bang theory <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of look at that and in in that setting we none of them are truly evil the way the way you think of good and evil life is more complicated than that right so in our minds zor is the god of birth of genesis of of bringing life to bringing something to life um ka is the god of the living experience of taste of smell of scent of of passions of carnal of carnal desires all of that that's cause the god of of living and then havoc is the god of destruction because you cannot have one without the other and and that is sort of how we look at the three of them existing together so if we look at the snake men the snake men in and we have not touched on the snake men in in revelation or revolution at all so but we but we acknowledge in our in our internal discussions and in our lore they existed and it's it's sort of driven by those passions of life i'll take on that i am the viper tower not as someone who is evil but someone who depending on who you ask but somebody who <laughs> believes in the the living moment in something about you know touching so I, I i buy things because i like to touch them i like owning them i like having them around me i love food i like those are the kinds of things that i love and if you look at the three of us rob is the the you know he he controls for lack of a better word motu as a brand mattel created it that would be zor under the gray skull banner 
I am living in the moment. I have the opportunity now to to bring something, you know, to 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 you can touch. And the two of us together channeled Kevin, who is the central tower. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. just pulled that out of my ass. <laughs> but it makes sense in my brain. <laughs> so with these um sex, they have different priests, right? I would Correct. imagine three different. Okay. So, and, um, and, and in our, in our sort of, and we've, we've written out, like, I know everybody keeps asking to see this and my hair is a mess today. And that's, that's honestly what took me so long to get a hold of you this morning. Um, <laughs> so we have like a document that, that we shared upon us, like sort of like the origins of how, of how all the, the different sects have come to, to existence. And, and, you know, Kodak uh, was the, the first, priest of of the sect of zohar um and and we have them for for havoc and ka as well so hmm. you know um see this is the stuff and uh, i'll just show you a concern and you can like um see if my concerns aren't founded um this is the stuff i adored about masters of the universe revelation you know there were these uh deep threads of uh philosophy and religious themes you know all throughout the narrative that to me along with the adult dialogue and those um great monologues with all the emotional uh, underpinnings um elevated uh this spiritual 131st episode of the classic filmation show to something more mature special and tolkien like but moving forward i did become a little concerned that um we might lose some of that sophistication and revolution you know once i heard that um your team had listened to some of the complaints against revelation and, and have course corrected and i know revelation didn't please everyone but I, you know i worry about a compromise in uh creative vision the old adage you know you try to make everyone happy you end up making no one happy you of know so I, is that I say we course corrected because i i don't think I don't think that we we were truly off course. I think that we we definitely heard what people wanted to see. We always knew He-Man was coming back in episode 10 of Revelation. We knew Orca was coming back in episode 10 or not yet 10 of Revelation. We we knew that that was all happening. So we weren't we weren't really upset that that was, you know, like people were like, "Oh my god, they killed He-Man." We didn't kill He-Man. We knew that. And yeah. I think that that's, you know, that was part and we knew where we were going in in the potential second season of of Revolution that we, you know, what we wanted to do with He-Man. We knew where that story was going and and we did it. Um and I, but what I think, but what I do think we did was we listened to what people wanted to see and we tried to find a way that, um, we could tell the story we wanted to tell, but make sure that people were satisfied that they saw He-Man being a hero, right? That was a big thing. People missed He-Man. And I, again, I hear it. I get it. We we give you that. We give you He-Man being a He-Man, being a hero, but we also give him a little bit of a crisis of con of conscience in in Revolution. And I think that that is that's something I'm excited to show that because you know my favorite episode and arguably everybody's favorite episode is the problem of power when yeah. you know when He-Man thinks that someone died under his watch, and and he was he was duped 
right? And I think that there was, but what we saw was a, a true reckoning within him. And we give Adam something to reckon with this season. And he's, he's definitely got something that he is struggling with. Um, and it, it, is, it, it is clearly something that he that has been building. Um, it's not something that comes out of left field. It's something that has been building. And, and I think that people will, will they, some people may love it. Some people may not. Of course, that's always the way. But I do think that it is all rooted in Motu. It's all classic Motu. And it gives him a little bit more of a mature, sophisticated, uh, you know, drama to grapple with this season and I'm, I'm i'm excited i'm excited to see what happens i i think i've talked about this before i think i talked about this on on another podcast where he is he is he-man through half of episode one in revolution he's he is um he-man through most of episode two all of episode three he's adam in four and he-man in 90 percent of of episode five so he's he's he-man in 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 most of this and but that doesn't negate adam and adam's sort of thing we yeah. also heard that you know it was too much teela well we we we've told teela's arc she definitely has a, a place in revolution she has an arc that she is due that she has sort of a, a side quest she is off on her thing that she is doing for the a plot but it is it is definitely her own thing but the balance the balance is it's definitely more he-man and skeletor skeletor is grappling with his own thing right yeah, there's yeah. a very clear parallel that we are we are painting if you looked at the poster of revolution that teaser poster there is definitely something that is being grappled with in this and, you know, we're bringing Hornak into this. So Skeletor's got some shit he's got to work out. Yeah. And, and He-Man's got some shit he's got to work out. And it's definitely a story for the two of them. So let's get into a little of that. Um, actually, real quick, you mentioned uh, the problem with power. Um, <sighs> Filmation, He-Man, and the Masters of the Universe is turning 40 this September. The Filmation How program. dare you? It's not turning 40. <laughs> I, I can't be that old. That's what? impossible. I think you and I are around the same age, so I'll just say that makes us over 25. Correct. <laughs> but um, what are your, real quick, uh, before we just jump into Revolution, what are your favorite episodes? I'm just oh, off I mean, the cuff. It, 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 if you look at Revelation, you can see them. It's the town. Oh, it's it's Teela's Quest. Teela's Quest. It's yeah. um, Teela's Triumph. It's the problem with power. It's... Yeah. Um, Oh goodness! Uh, it's the witch and the warrior. Also, uh, one of my favorite yeah. episodes. Um, I love that one. So, it, like, you can see all of that stuff. Like, if you look at the witch and the warrior, um, like there's that's, that's when we first see uh, Evelyn's haircut, white hair. That's right. Yeah. Um, and and that whole dynamic of the two of them together. Like, I love that. Like, how yeah. how how could you not love that? And, and the, the great dialogue written by Paul Dini in that, episode. Uh, I mean, come on, it's so good. Um, yeah. So those, that's all splattered all over those, but actually I'm going to be really honest. I love the Christmas episode. You do. I, I do. I love it. I watch it every year, every year. Uh, and I, that's great. It's, it's so hokey, but I love it. I, I'm dark, man. My favorite episode is evil seed. And uh, I love Evil Seed too. I remember to this day as a child, I was glued to that screen. 
and it had jump scares and a menacing villain. And I, uh, it really felt like uh, the beans on Eternia were, were overmatched and truly in jeopardy. And, and wow, what an ending, because I believe I'm correct in saying that Evil Seed was the only villain in the Filmation series that actually died. He was died. actually killed at the end of the Dies. episode. Yeah, yeah. He has a withered corpse. And I remember... <laughs> And there's and it, it's foreboding. There's there's no soundtrack. There's just the wind whistling and everyone's staring at his dead body. And I was like, wow. It is a great episode. It is. It is. So that one definitely um, has my heart. But real quick on the Witch and the Warrior. Um, there was a magical fountain in that episode, I believe, mm -hmm. called the Fountain of Life. That's correct. And was that perhaps the same fountain, the same magic waters? Yeah, that it was. Okay, I'll say it for the audience's sake, that Duncan was retrieving in Masters of the Universe Revelation uh, to keep Orko alive. So it is. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. See, that, see, that's a deep dive there that I just love. You know, it's, you know, not everyone's going to see that, but uh, it's there for the people who... There's there's stuff like that in Revolution, too. I think people have... They, they've already caught that in Scare Glows, uh, in the scene that we showed at Comic-Con, there's in, behind him, there's all these like little <laughs> shelves. Well, I love the idea of, of Scare Glows reliquary, right? That was an idea that came out of classics when he had that that little, um, the little reliquary with the, the key to Grayskull. And I love that. That was a really cool little, little, you know, detail that I just thought was great. And when we were building on Scareglow, when we were building on that idea that he was a collector and mm -hmm. it, it wasn't just souls that he collected, but he collected these arcane artifacts that that had so much, you know, lore in, in arcana in the world. And when we got the opportunity to show the interior of his reliquary in, in Revolution, we went to town. Like I have email upon email to Rob and to Patrick and to Adam with just tons of references oh, from cool. from golden books from the uh, from the you know UK comics from the movie from filmation from the mini comics just so many and people are going to be pausing the hell out of those. <laughs> All right, so so let's go there. The uh, San Diego Comic Con 2023 um, Masters of the Universe Revelation was the highlight of that Comic Con, I must say, and the highlight of your presentation was this, uh, clips, two of them. And uh, spoiler alert, everyone, if you don't want to hear, uh, these two clips were just awesome. And uh, one was in Subternia, uh, where we saw He Man on a rescue mission, seemingly to save the souls of fisto and clamp champ seemingly and uh orko and andra and king randor and buzz off and snout spout and real blast was there uh and then in the second clip we have this foreboding scene where um skeletor is already transformed by the techno virus from motherboard and he's infecting evil warriors like uh too bad in the servitude of uh motherboard and hordak so we're can I, and if you can't answer these, I understand. Were both of these clips taken from episode one? Yes. Okay. Yes. They're both taken from episode one, um, mainly because that was, that was episode one is, is done. It's mixed. It's scored. It's final animation. It's oh yeah. And you got bear back. back. Thank goodness. I was worried that you wouldn't get um, bear back. Oh yeah. Uh. Bear, bear is, bear is the fourth tower of eternity. 
Yeah, um, yeah. So he is he's amazing. Yeah, um, he really but, is. Uh, yeah, so those are both taken from episode one. There is a scene. There, so the scene with He-Man and uh, uh, Scareglow continues. There's 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 more of that. Okay. And then right after that scene, there's there's another there's another scene that happens on the Cloud Crusher, and then we go into the scene in Snake Mountain. So it's it's relatively early in the episodes. Those are two sequences that are pretty early in the episode. Okay. Now, can you elaborate more on this apparent quest to? Nope. On the altar of. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I mean, right. People, people inferred what what Adam's doing down there. Yeah, I, I did a whole video on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. never know how you're going to react or Netflix is going to react. You it's know. funny because I, I, it was right after, maybe, maybe not right after, but after part two aired a couple months, I, I was on uh, Geek Dad Life, Jay Gladfeld, there's Geek Dad. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. And and everybody kept talking about Clank and Fisto dying. And then I was like, well, look, look, put a pin in that. Put, put a, a pin, pin in that. I remember that. <laughs> and that was, that was like, what, two years ago. So it's like, you know, again, the ideas... We, we, we knew what the ideas are. Um, again, I don't want to minimize what happened with Clamp Champ and Fisto. Right. Um, because I, I get it. Th those are people's favorite characters. My favorite character is Mossman, and he was the first one that was dead. So we, you know, and that came, that came very, very early on. When we talked, when, when Rob said, or Ke I think it was Kevin said, we want to kill a character in the opening of, uh, of Revelation. And that was the death of innocence for me, man. That's exactly I mean what it was. That was exactly what it was. We had to, we had to make the tide change. Mm -hmm. And we talked about which character that was. Who would be the character that comes in that will be sort of that sacrifice to, to turn the tides, to change the tone of the show? Because that's the moment. That's the moment when we went from what felt like a classic episode of, of the show mm -hmm. to something that was much more adult experience. Really? Yeah. And, and when we talked about it, we talked about a couple ideas and one of the ideas that they had was Moss Man. And I said, you guys are going to kill my favorite character. Um, <laughs> and, and that was, it was a moment, but it honestly, it made sense. Yeah. It hurt. And it gave Skeletor that great line, smells like pine, um, which I think was, I mean, that, again, that's classic Kevin Smith, right? Yeah. That is stakes, intense action, and wit. And it mm. all worked for me. I get it. People were like, oh, no, they killed Mossman. Yes, we killed Mossman, and it worked. It worked for the story. So, And that wit didn't take me out of the scene, you know? And uh, no, it was marvelous. Um, all right. So in the uh, Hordak scene where he was communicating with Motherboard, the other clip, um, he looked like he was somewhere else. Uh, was he possibly in Etheria? He possibly. is He is on his... Um, it's funny because in the early scripts, they kept calling it the Velvet Glove. And I kept saying, no, 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 the Velvet Glove is Horde Prime's ship. It's, this, is not, this is not the Velvet Glove. He is on his own ship. So okay. he is on what, like the, the flagship of his armada. Okay. Um, and, uh, but in, in... The Velvet again, Glove always cracks me up. <laughs> again, keep in mind, yeah. conceptually, this takes place after 
130 episodes of the classic show after the and the the notion of going back and forth to etheria eternia is kind of like it's a thing right no it, it's not hard to do right. so he's 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 not trapped anywhere he's not you know he's not imprisoned he can go wherever the hell he wants to go he's always had a problem taking over eternia because of grayskull and the power of grayskull that may or may not be a problem right now so that's that's sort of where where we're positioning this new new story it was great to see hordak and um how great david i don't know so many of us were relieved that masters of the universe revolution has broken that hordak curse are you familiar with that curse no what's the curse uh and for anyone at home that doesn't know uh there is a belief that uh many fans if a masters of the universe television series teases the character of hordak now the show will be canceled before, <laughs> you, before you could say evil horde you know um and uh, it happened with the Mike Young 2000X series. And, you know, and it happened with Rob David's, you know, new children's CG show. wasn't renewed um, at Netflix. So it was labeled. That was Hordak's fault, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But, I mean, it was the same thing um, with American football. You know, if, like, you appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated before the Super Bowl, you'd lose the Super Bowl. There was this long-running curse. And, wow. you know, so this was labeled the Hordak curse. But, thankfully, Masters of the Universe uh, Revelation Revolution broke it. So we're and all that, by the way, that was something that Eric Carrasco was really, really committed to. I We when we had the idea to do the motherboard reveal as the sort of like the epilogue yeah. quote unquote post-credit scene um eric was like you know because initially we were like does mother is motherboard her own entity is she a new faction of evil and and eric eric's concept was nope 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 she is she is an emissary and she's an emissary for hordak and i was like oh that's interesting so she's been there the whole time has she been like and he's like well you know she's been there a while but it was only after skeletor was gone did she put her plan into motion for hordak and and i think that that was that was a very very cool and wise concept from eric oh and how exciting ted you got a toy you know i was i was talking with tim seeley um on this podcast and he was all excited that um he's skeletor you know one of his creations from he-man and the masters of the multiverse was realized in plastic and now like motherboard right i mean so incredible i have her right here yeah i just I, honestly they the mattel gang they brought me there a couple um a couple of weeks before comic-con and um and I got to play with her and like, I, I knew she was coming. I knew she was going to be the Comic-Con exclusive, but I, I hadn't, I hadn't seen her and they, they said, do you want to come over to Mattel um, to come and see some of the new figures for 24? Do you want to come and see, you know, motherboard? And I was like, yeah. And it just so happened that I went on my birthday. It was my birthday. And I got to play, I got to play with Eternia because they had a, they had a, 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 a what do they call it? Um, output uh, a, a a a mold output of Eternia there, right? And one of the things I'm going to say this because Mattel's not doing a good enough job saying this. Um, 
you can totally play with Eternia with Masterverse figures. Yeah. It is absolutely big enough. The only thing that it won't do is the the trap door in Grayskull Tower. They have they added a trap door to Grayskull Tower. It's just a little too shallow for a Masterverse figure to drop all the way through. But in Central Tower, there's about this much clearance between the top of a Masterverse figure's head and the and the ceiling. Like mm -hmm. it's got clearance. You can totally fit a Masterverse figure. Um, in the in the uh, the jaws of of Central Tower, I was like, "Whoa, this thing is way bigger! Why aren't you telling people how big this is?" And I think I think because it was it was you know it's definitely designed as an Origins playset, mm -hmm. uh, but Masterverse figures totally fit with it. I was really really excited by that. Yeah, I actually did an article on that on foreternity.com because they came out with this sort of blueprint diagram or something and it had sort of measurements and uh, scale and they had a Masterverse He-Man there and you could see the scale of the top of his head with the yes. door entries and I'm like this is great this is yes this is not just Eternia this is Praternia you know and, and I could just... I I was having so much fun with it there and and I got to see uh all the the, the figures for 24 um, the all the ones that they showed at Comic Con and right. and another, Ooh. <laughs> um, but uh, I was very excited by by all that stuff that I saw all the new packaging by Roy and I was like losing my mind. I was like, this is gorgeous. This packaging I I, I had seen movie Evil Lynn, mm -hmm. and do you know how hard it had been to not tell people that movie Evil Lynn was coming? Like I was literally holding her in my hand. I was shaking because like she's been one of my number one figures that I've wanted my whole life is that movie Evil Lynn. Um, and and to not be able to tell people that that figure was coming was killing me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I have all the others, you know, the classics Blade and stuff like that. And the, um, what was the, the designer, the collection? Um, oh, so uh, Bill Stout. Bill Stout. Yeah, William Stout collection got all those. But yeah, Evelyn was like always missing from the bunch. And I couldn't wait to get her. And the fact that she was announced was fantastic. And it looks like, I mean, I don't know for sure. And I'm not at Mattel, but it looked like they got approval. You know, unlike the Dolph Lundgren He-Man figure. It's pretty close. Man. Yeah. Close. It, it looked like they got Meg Foster's approval, you know, for her likeness. And she's I, been amazing. I can't wait till you guys hear. Her. She's mm -hmm. got she's got a couple really, really good scenes. She's got this one, this one sort of grand, grand monologue that I'm like, oh my God. And her voice is perfect. She was honestly, it was the first person we said. <sighs> when we were talking about who should play motherboard. I said Meg Foster and Rob was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, her voice is like butter in a way. It's just smooth. It's just and it's, she's it's still menacing. And yeah, she's still got it. Yeah. And <laughs> think about it. Um, with with Keith David, we have a they live reunion yeah. of sorts, you know? I'm not sure. I got to watch that movie again. I'm not sure if they were actually in the same scene. Oh, yeah, I guess so. When they were, they were yeah, there's a couple. Yeah. 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 But, when um, she, yeah. um, um, uh, what's it called? Betrays them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, we have that reunion and, uh, and we have a reunion in a way with Gwildor, you know, and Meg Foster in a way, you know, um, although they don't have any scenes to, do they have, no, they don't have any scenes together in, in revolution. Well, I guess they're in this. Oh, in revolution. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. 
Um, but, um, and, and we have a, a an interesting, you know, Mark Hamill and William Shatner having yeah. incredible, juicy, hammy, eating up this digital painted scenery, uh, the two of them. <laughs> I can't wait to see that, you know, and I can't wait to, to relish in that. And um, can I ask, um, were they in the same booth? Or no, ah, no. I would have loved just to see a video of that. Like when you had Lena and um, Mark, right? That was, Lena and Mark was literally the last, the I last know. day of recording before COVID. With COVID. And yeah. then the COVID restrictions. I mean, don't forget, Bill is 91, 92. Yeah. Um, by the way, he still drives himself. Mm. I drove, I, I went to the recording booth um, when he was recording and the man literally just drove himself there. And I was like, like, he doesn't have a driver. He doesn't have like somebody driving around. Nope. Shatner comes out. And he's like, hello, hello. And and I was like, hi, Bill, I'm Teddy. I'm one of the executives on the show. He goes, oh, that means you don't do anything on this. And <laughs> like he is exactly what you think he is. And he is. Uh, you know, that's what I inspire to be at that age. Him or, um, uh, you know, God rest her soul, uh, Betty White. Right. Yeah. That they were just, or I guess, or even Clint Eastwood, man. He's directing films still yep. in like his 90s. And I got to work with Betty on, I was an executive on Higleytown Heroes. And she played our grandmama on Higley Town Heroes, and um, she was a spitfire. Oh, actually, I worked with her again, not only on Higley Town Heroes, on um, Pound Puppies. She, I was, oh, yeah. I, and, and we had scenes together, because I had done a voice on Pound Puppies, and, and I was in a scene with Betty White. It was amazing. Do you, actually, maybe I'll put a pin in that voice acting for a second. So uh, back what you were saying before with COVID. Um, um, you know, from a, like a bird's eye view or a Zor's eye view, um, it feels like every time, you know, you do one of these Masters of the Universe animated shows, uh, and if, you know, an, an obstacle is thrown at you. With Revelation, you had COVID, where you had those uh, actors scrambling around to create like uh, homemade recording booths, right, mm -hmm. at, in their homes and stuff like that, so they could finish all their voice work for the series. Um, and now, and I, I know you can only limited talk about this but and now with revolution you have both the writer's strike and the actor strike so i mean in a way i'd be like shaking my fist at the almighty zor you know with with this it's like why do you keep forsaking me because i, I gotta imagine and and you, you touch upon this however you can um if the strike continues uh even though all of the actors have recorded their dialogue isn't that going to bind your wrists when it comes to the ability to execute on last minute changes, improvements, you know, reshoots, so to speak. An example would be the um, Revelation episode, Land of the Dead. And I believe this might have been your idea, Ted, um, where there was this like late decision to have um, actor Griffin Newman record like a Trollin nursery rhyme for Orko to recite to set up the character of Scaraglow better. And, uh, and of course, it required no new animation because, you know, we can't see Orko's mouth yep. moving. No lip sync. <laughs> yep. And this was a change late in the game to improve quality of your product. But within the environment of these strikes, it's something I assume you can't do with revolution. So long way of saying, are you concerned about that? No. Well, look, I'm, I'm concerned in the sense that I want to make sure that our actors and our writers get, you know, 
um, a deal that everybody feels good about. That, right. I'm just going to say that. Um, in terms of the show itself, uh, no, because we have all five episodes are in, uh, with the exception of episode five, are in final animation. So it would it would require much more undoing should we want to go back and do additional dialogue. But I, the, the reality is I don't think we need it. We, we've gotten pretty, pretty good at it, especially in at the script phase on Revolution, that we're, we're pretty locked up on what, what it is. Um, I don't think we need anything. I just watched uh, the, the first pass on the score for episode three yesterday, um, and episode two is now mixed. So we're, we're pretty close to, to wrapping up on, on the show. Obviously, um, there's a little bit more work to do on four and five, but it's, right. it's pretty, pretty good. Oh, good. You know, since what it does do is what we can't do is what we did a lot in Revelation was having, you know, the cast go out and promote it. That we can't do. Yeah, I know. So, and, and it was sad because we, we were, we were planning on a, a much more cast focused panel at Comic-Con. Obviously nobody wants to hear me and Rob talk about shit, <laughs> but, um, you know, so that, that was a bit of a pivot. Um, we were going to yeah. bring Keith there. Like we were going to, it wasn't just, you were going to hear Keith, you were going to see Keith and talk to him. And Keith was one, honestly, and, and, and I, I, I hate taking credit for the casting, but it's, it's kind of like, I hear them in my head. And very early on, I said, Keith David should be our Horde uh, And And fortunately, look, if, if Kevin didn't agree, he would say so. If Rob didn't agree, he would say so. We would figure it out. We'd find somebody better. That happened many, many times on the show where we found somebody that was the best person for the show, for the job. Um, and Keith was the one that we were just like, yeah, like his voice is just so good. It's so perfect. Um, yeah. It's so good. And he snorts. He does snort. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mentioned <laughs> that in a video too. I can't wait that you mentioned that. You know, you, you actually said it. it's about five or six snorts. You know, you he gave us the number. The, he, like, okay, he's very different than Skeletor. Skeletor is a yeah. wise ass, right? Yeah. Yeah. So his humor is coming from the the witty lines. There's there's some really, he's got some zingers in this, like really good lines. Oh, good. And then, but Hordak, Hordak in, in the original, in the, in the filmation show, he was... He was darker, but he wasn't as a, as much of a wise ass as as Skeletor was. Um, we we kind of we kind of lean into that. He's dark and threatening, but he he enjoys being a freaking dictator, and he likes it, and he finds the the humor in that. And I think that that's what you know where we find some moments of levity with Hordak in this. That's awesome. Hey, since we're on the topic of actors, and I'd be remiss um, if I didn't ask about this. Um, last November, I think everyone, you know, received quite a devastating gut punch when we heard the news that uh, Revelations Merman, and quite frankly, maybe the world's best Batman, had died. Yeah, the, the legendary uh, Kevin Conroy passed away so young, too, um, only at age 66. And from what I heard, he was just a wonderful human being. So can you talk about um, your personal experience with Kevin? And, and, and did he have a part to play in, in Revolution that he recorded, you know, before his passing? 
he he didn't and and I, it wasn't for lack of of wanting or or lack of 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 desire it just this this story didn't didn't need a merman moment it, this is a this is really a, a smaller story it is he-man it is skeletor it is ordak you know mother bortila evil in but it's it's like that's the the story right mm-hmm. um but you know i i unfortunately only met kevin on on revelation and it was you know i mean he was he was my batman and i what my my whole life when you close your eyes you hear kevin conroy as batman and and i will forever hear him as batman um and i got to spend a really 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 nice afternoon with him and and he you know tim tim sheridan actually has many more kevin stories because tim worked on justice league action where he returned as batman and they they had a a beautiful relationship um and you know i i didn't have as deep of a relationship with him than much to my my sad loss i just got to tell him how much he meant to me and how much his Batman meant to me. So, um, but it was, he was as, as you'd imagine, kind and, and funny and respectful. And he happened to be in the booth that day with Diedrich Bader, who was doing uh, Randor um, Hmm. a day when we were recording a bunch of folks. And I have this great picture of me and Kevin and Diedrich I was literally between two Batman and it was like, I just, you know, and probably next to, next to, you know, Kevin, my favorite animated Batman was Deidre. Cause I love Brave and the Bold. I yeah. love the show. Um, and I think that there is, you know, it was just nice to, to be there between those two. And then, you know, Mark was also there that day. And, and you, I just got to witness that friendship, which, <laughs> I mean, that is one for one for the books. They, I mean, Mark loved Kevin and Kevin loved Mark. They were, they were exactly what you want them to be. They were thick as thieves, those two. Yeah, I just loved it. You know, I don't collect much beyond Motu, but I do have some Batman animated series figures. And um, yeah, he was definitely my Batman too. I would put an asterisk um, because I was such a big fan of the Keaton Batman. Yeah. Uh, Keaton's my 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 live action Batman, but okay. But oh, that's a good way to separate. Kind of supersedes that though, because like I don't I don't think of Keaton's voice. So when I'm reading a Batman comic, I don't hear Michael Keaton. I hear Kevin Conroy. Um, But Keaton is my favorite Batman to watch cinematically. Mm. Yeah. So. On maybe on a, a lighter note, you may have heard that the uh, the live action Masters of the Universe movie was sadly uh, canceled again this time. I found out when everybody else did. Everybody was pinging me that day, and I was like, I I literally found out when you all did. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, it's all to the fault of Kevin Smith. I heard. <laughs> well, it's not my fault. I'm good. No. <laughs> <laughs> but. But speaking of live action, and I'm kidding about that, everyone. That was a joke. <laughs> but um, speaking of live action Motu, and I, I know this is a competitor of yours, but maybe you heard something through one of your industry connections. So I must ask, have you heard anything new going on at Amazon in regards to the new She-Ra series that they announced a year ago? No? I have not. And it, it's, you know, it was one of those 
those things when I heard it was happening because I'm I'm very very close with all the DreamWorks team I'm like like longtime friends not even not even just like you know work colleagues oh, cool. um, and uh, when I heard that that was going over there I was I was like oh wait what and apparently they they had come to Netflix to a different division and and the division passed on it and I was like oh okay well you know so it was kind of like they 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 had a relationship with Netflix. They came to Netflix first and then they, they passed and then they went over to the, to Amazon. But, um, I have not heard any updates for it. And I, I and I probably wouldn't hear any updates. I would hear them when everybody else does. Okay. Um, you know, I got concerned because tight industry secrets kind of things. Well, you have your the fingers on the pulse of the industry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's me. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I actually have a concern because that thing was announced like uh, in the summer of uh, 2022 and they said uh, Nicole Castle is going to direct. And then a couple of months ago, uh, Amazon announced Nicole Castle is going to direct a Medusa movie for Amazon. And um, which is cool. I mean, I would love this. I love the Gorgon. You know, I can't wait for that Lady Slither uh, origins figure. Me uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and it's got the uh, interchangeable uh, uh, legs and you know snake body. But um, I'm like, uh oh, uh oh, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's possible she signed ahead of time, you know, and she's that she's lining up her projects. But let uh, me let me just be let me just let me just poke a hole in 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 the Hollywood machine for a moment. Okay. Um, development takes forever. Yeah. Um, there are no guarantees that something that is in development is going to get made. Um, it is a massive heartbreak. I, I've had plenty of shows that I've been developing and I, I tend to not buy a lot of projects, right? Because I only like to pour my heart and soul into something if I'm going to make it. And, and I don't, I also, if I'm building a relationship with a piece of talent, I don't like to buoy them only to not have it happen, right? So I'm very, very like specific about the things that I buy. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, I have a job where I have to make sure that we have a steady cadence of, you know, stuff coming. And, and I'm very, very lucky at Netflix. I have a very wide, you know, birth of, of, what I do and I've got a, a, a long track record of successes. Um, so I'm, I'm allowed to sort of buy the things that I want to buy, but it does, things don't always go the way you plan them to go. And, and it's, it, it's a lot has to go right for something to get made it. I cannot stress how many facets have to be firing on all cylinders to get made. That's why I said earlier, Nobody intends to make anything bad. Every, everybody sets out with the best of intentions and everything, there are so many things, whether it's timing, whether it's budget, whether it's talent, whether it's intentions, whether it's ideas, whether it's like, there's so many things that have to be aligned for mm -hmm. something to not just come out, but be great. And it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. So when something does come out and something is good, like I just have so much, so much respect for the people who managed to agree and, yeah. <laughs> and get and get to that place.
um, because it is hard. It is so hard. And, and it could come down to something very simple. Somebody may have an amazing script that like is 100%, like a beautiful script, and it is given to an amazing director who loves it and understands it, and then the budget is, is assigned to it, and it's a good budget, and you are able to produce it, and you get an A-level talent, and it is fantastic. And then COVID, or yeah. then, you know, a regime change, and somebody's like, oh, I don't like that story or that IP or that talent or that director like it little things that come in and just blow it the F up one more the uh and I promise everyone we'll get we'll get back and we'll wrap this up with juicy masters of the universe questions but I hear sir that you are involved uh with developing a television series that is possibly the best arcade game of all time Dragon's Lair. Why? Where would you hear such a thing? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Ryan Reynolds, right? He, I think he's he's talked about it. Or you can't talk about this. So it is true okay. that Dragon's Lair is one of my all-time favorite games. <laughs> it is true that when I went out to, to lunch with Roy Lee, um, you know, prolific producer Roy Lee, and he said, Give me, give me any IP. What do you want? I said, Dragon's Lair. It is true that Roy then went and got the, the rights to Dragon's Lair. We okay. did bring it to Netflix. It, the idea was bigger than, than the series. Um, and the feature team uh, found value in it as well. So it has moved to the feature team and has been in development there. Um, they have been kind enough to keep me in the loop uh, because they know I love it. Um, but I am not actively the one developing it right now. Uh, so it is, it, again, development takes forever. Ryan is perfect as Dirk. Um, and it is, and it's the Hagemans who are writing it, who are just incredible. We love them. Um, and, uh, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just as hopeful as everybody else that, that it comes together so and makes something truly amazing. You know, I was so obsessed with that game. Um, do you remember the uh, sitcom Silver Spoons with Ricky Schroeder? Of okay. course. Okay. You remember he was like Richie Rich and he had all the arcade games in the back. And when you know it, Prime and uh, maybe not center, but it, there was Dragon Slayer, and I couldn't wait to spot that game in that sitcom. So, AJ, yeah, I have two full-size arcade games in my house. One of them is the four-player X-Men game. The other one is a multi-cade. It has about 999 games in there. But I have space right next to that one for Dragon Slayer. And I told myself that on my 50th birthday, I will buy myself a Dragon's Lair dedicated arcade cabinet. So in a year and a half, I will send you pictures. <laughs> that is awesome. Did you see there's a one arcade one up version, you know, a smaller I did. version. I did. Yeah. Those, those are little ones. Like these are, yeah. I have the full size ones and trust me, I would have bought like all of those arcade one ups, the Ninja yeah. Turtles, uh, I bought, I bought Tim the Simpsons one with the Simpsons game and the, and the Simpsons bowling. I bought him that for Christmas. Uh, um, 
So yes, I do love those arcane one-ups. What was your favorite scene, real quick, to play? Uh, and you know, well, I love the one. I love the one with the 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 wizard. The you know the 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 wraith wizard that shows yeah. up. Okay. In, in, but that character popped up in a few different locations in in there. The one that looked like like the wizard's lab with all the the um, potions that were dripping on there. I love that one. I also I liked any of the jumping ones where you had to get from one side to another, where the spikes and the and the okay. platforms were falling down. I always loved those because I was I was always really good at that. I don't know why. For me, it was the most Lizard people, King. Most people hate Dragon's Lair because they 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 don't know how to play it. Yeah, and I'm like, it's actually one of the easier games to play it's just timing it's just timing it's just boop you like it's boop <laughs> you're not you're not like button mashing you're just boop, boop. yeah the problem was there wasn't any instructions i remember seeing it for my first time and someone else was playing it i think it was expensive at the time two quarters to play right yeah it was 50 cents that's right yeah and uh someone just went up to it and he was trying to control it like uh, a sprite like a live action video game or something no. like that and he completely died and got frustrated and walked away but i quickly learned that this is like a choose your own adventure kind of thing, in a way you know yeah um i have i have one of the the um one six scale ones did you ever see those yes i did i did i have i have one of those i've got that and i've got cuber oh cuber i loved cuber <laughs> You know, I got to get myself a pinball machine too. So okay, that's I, I have a full size digital pinball machine. It's got over two thousand different pinball games in there, including like vintage pinball games, but they're all digital. And I've seen that. It's like an LCD TV, yes, right? And yeah. it is a plus, my friend. Uh, it is a plus, and there's like custom um, pinball like fields that people design digitally, and there's mm. there's a Masters of the Universe one in there, and it's so fun because they use like all the old toys as the different things that move it is i'm telling you a plus you know there's there's credible rumors out there that stern is is developing a masters of the universe oh you don't oh. <laughs> you don't believe it or <laughs> no i i'm just thinking where the hell am i gonna put that oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what that, something like that you'll just make the room man you'll you'll figure something out but when, um, we, when we bought the this so when we bought the old house i had a 1977 gottlieb hulk pinball machine and it mm. was in and it was in beautiful condition but the um the score kept it kept sticking and and, and I, I finally had to get get rid of it because i was repairing it like i feel like twice a year um and i traded that in for the the um multi-cade cabinet which i'm glad i did because that's got so many fun games in there that i play all the time but i always said i really wanted a and like a great beautiful pinball machine and there were three pinball machines that I would have wanted. Um, Adam's family was yeah, one. That's a classic. That's that's one of the best, right? Probably uh, Elvira. Elvira. Elvira is, and actually, there are two of them: the scared skiff, yep. and then the um, what was the second one? Party monsters or something? Or? Yeah, party monsters. That's right. Um, and then finally, I said I would want them to make a Motu pinball machine. So, yeah. well, it might be happening. So. Elvira still, she's got. Actually, she's got a new one. She's got a third one um but um that that either is coming out or just out and she um she's mm. she's got them at her house and and i was like she she had me over to play uh her her last pinball machine so 
you know, if I had the money in the space, there's this real cool um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you know, the original one. Yeah. Willy? Oh, yeah, you need to Google that. It is so impressive, so unique. Has uh, Gene Wilder on the front. I mean, they, they have the license, you know, and it's brilliant. It's, uh, it's beautiful. Oh, I'm going to have to look that one up. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's it's going to be a pretty penny, but uh, uh, I love pinball machines. Mm, me too. So, um, voice acting, right? We 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 put a pin in that. Um, uh -huh. you used to voice act regularly, you know. Um, I don't. Not in, I used to. Yes, but yeah, yeah. Superhero Squad, hero up. You know. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that was one where. So I was cast as Mole Man. In... Uh, he would always fart. Man. Yeah, he, yeah. I, and I did, and I did them all live. <laughs> booth. Seriously, I would, I would make all. <laughs> you kidding? In the booth. Um, uh. That was one of the best recording experiences of my life. Okay, that was actually my first official real television show. Um, I had done a couple others, but but that was my first like regular. And I came in, and he, I'm walking into the room, and there's Tom Kenny, and Charlie Adler and Travis Willingham and like, I mean, and Kevin Michael Richardson and Cree Summer and Gray Delight. Like, I mean, literally the best voice actor yeah. in the world. I'm walking into this room with these legends and they, and they split up the room. So the heroes would be on one side and the villains would be on the other side. And I come in and I sit next to Charlie Adler, who was playing Dr. Doom. And, and, Charlie is one of the funniest people I have ever worked with in my life. Like tears would come down my eyes in the middle of recording. And he and Kevin Michael Richardson had the best banter that will never be heard ever because it is so inappropriate. <laughs> but they were so funny and sharp. And and Tara Strong was in that room, and I'm and I said Chris Summer, but like they were, they're all so so good. I had like master class, like literally just dropping in to this room of these A listers, and Stan Lee played the mayor in that in that show, mm. and he was and he was in maybe every third episode, right? And he would always come in, and I think he would forget that this is the same group of people, and he would come in and go. <laughs> I didn't know I'd be in a room with real actors. Nobody <laughs> told me that they were going to be real actors in this room. It's very, very exciting. <laughs> so he was like, come in and do that. Like, just, it was a bit. And he did it every time. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? Rich Little, man. Oh, yeah. do, do you do any others? Um, let, let's see. Oh, my God. Probably. The... Um, I, I I got to work with Stan quite a bit and it was yeah. like talk about, you know, they say never meet your heroes. That's so not true. Like mm -hmm. honestly, every person who I've ever loved and had the opportunity to work with, I've I've only only had great experiences. There hasn't ever been anyone where I'm like, I will never ever they've only been wonderful. Um and Stan was truly one in a million. Um he was so funny and um and charming and just and he he loved he loved what he what he did he just loved yeah. it um yeah 
Yeah, I told I, I told him I said you know how um, Hal Holbrook used to make a career about pl by playing Mark Twain like you would do like an evening with Mark Twain. I said I'm gonna do like when I'm when I'm at the right age I'm gonna do like an evening with Stanley and I'm just gonna get up there and I'm gonna tell like your life story and he like he's, it will be a very short show. There's not a lot of good stories to tell. I went, are you kidding? You are nothing but good stories. Ugh. You know, I've heard wonderful things about John Irwin, and I just wish he... I got to spend a lot of time with um, Alan Oppenheimer, uh, and he was... Alan, first of all, Alan is just oh. the sweetest man in the world. And he and John are still very good friends, and they talk a lot. And Alan keeps trying to get him to to partake in the fandom yeah. and John just keeps saying, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm not he man. They don't want to see me. And, <laughs> and, and Alan's like, bullshit. He said, I'm not Skeletor, but they still want to see me. And he's like, they, you know, they're John just has this thing that he, he doesn't want to, to cloud people's visions of their hero. I, I mean, he's just very, very humble. You know, I find a lot of, uh, voice actors are like that. Frank Welker, a very, very humble and kind man, does not like the spotlight, and literally has the longest resume of any actor in history. Did you know that Frank Welker has the longest resume of any actor in the history of acting? Hmm. I guess maybe the craft draws those type of personalities, maybe, sometimes. Yeah. Mm. it's funny because you know some some actors love the spotlight and some yeah. just love the craft and and i think john's just one that loves the craft and and you know he's grateful for his his time and, and contribution but I, I i don't think that he desires the you know the accolades so about the craft real quick do you have a i mean you've you've really have experience now um in both live action and animation and you went to school for animation right I do did. i remember that? yeah okay did indeed. so do you now have a preference now that you have a strong foothold in both i like the immediacy of live action right because yeah. it, it it moves much quicker from script to screen right animation does not <laughs> it is a year and a half to two years to between script to screen I know people are like, we heard about this a year ago. Yes, well, you heard about it after the first script was written and you're not gonna see it for another year and a half, so calm down. But like there is, you know, animation takes forever. Um, yeah. What I love about animation is the artistry that goes into it. I love, I love the art of character design. I love the art of background design. I love all the intricacies. And with animation, you have more opportunities to refine. Mm -hmm. Live action, once it's shot, it's shot. And if you want to do it again, it's expensive. Whereas animation, it's like, mm, we could do another take on that in animation. Yes, it's gonna be it's gonna be long, but we can fix it. We can we can refine it and it and we can make it better. But you don't really have a preference now? You just love them both? I don't know if I have a preference. I okay. I, I look, I've 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 worked with with people who who have been who have excelled in both live action and animation. Like I am you know, I, I've been working with Tim Burton now on on Wednesday, and then um, you know we oh, built that's a great show, a really great relationship. And I want I want Tim to do something else with me, and I want it to be an animation. So, you know, 
I also have something for him that I'm developing that I want for him to do in live action. I just, I love Tim. I've worked with Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo is very much in the animation space right now in his mind. He is definitely, he loves what animation is, is bringing for him at this stage in his career. Um, I want him, he's focused on something in animation. I want him to do that in live action. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 stop thinking about animation, put it in live action. So, you know, speaking of animation, oh, by the way, I love that dance of Wednesday. Whoever choreographed that dance. She did. She did? Oh, you're kidding me. And did yeah. you see all those like Instagram videos or TikTok videos where everyone's oh, doing the oh, dance? Yeah. Oh, oh. oh, yeah, I saw them. <laughs> I'll tell you, my colleague, Coral, who I work, she and I work on Wednesday together. She, yeah. um, she called it after when we first saw the dailies for that dance. Coral said, this is going to be a TikTok sensation. She called it. Wow. Wow. She was right. Mm. But back when you were saying Tim Burton and uh, animation, um, have you ever interested, were you ever interested in dabbling in directing? And why I ask is if anyone goes on your Instagram page, um, it's spectacular, everyone, uh, Animate Dead, um, they can instantly recognize like you have an amazing visual eye with all your toy photography that sometimes I feel like I'm looking at stills from like something from nightmare before Christmas or something like that. So it seems like, or at least you'd be a shoe in for um, director of photography because you, you just got that eye. So is this something you ever thought about that? I appreciate that. Yes. I, I actually did think about that. I, that's okay. what, I went to school and when I was in school, um, I mean, I, I can draw, but I loved building like that was my thing and i never before christmas changed my life like I, like a lot of people oh, it, it changed my life i i saw something that i had never seen before and the fascination of telling a story in miniature with you know real three dimensions and and the the craft of of design in that really just knocked me on my ass and yeah. i wound up focusing my my you know intentions in school in stop motion that's that's what i really really refined and yeah. all of the stuff that i did there was all about um you know lighting and composition and set design and stuff like that but what what was happening in in the the animation department in my school at the time was very much focused on the, the the technical skill, the craft of animation, and not so much on storytelling. Mm. And I I felt like I needed to focus on storytelling and the fundamentals and principles of storytelling and the craft. You know, while yes, there was a lot to learn in the craft, but like the medium was irrelevant as long as you understood character and, and plot structure that then you could you can do that in animation, you can do that in, in live action. So yeah. I switched my degree over to the theater to pro theater department where they had a directing program. And that's where I that's what I majored in. So yeah. I graduated in. And while I was there, that's where I learned, you know, script analysis. That's where I, I wound up taking, you know, acting classes, which I had never never in my my life. AJ, would I ever think that I was going to be an actor? But while I was there, I took acting lessons and and I do funny voices. And my friends who were still in the animation department would always ask me to do voices in their animated projects. And I wound up graduating with like a reel of voice acting work. And my mother was like, this is what your calling is. This is your calling. You're going to be a voice actor. That's what it's, the, 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 the universe is telling you. This is what you're going to be. And, 
And it was very much like, oh yeah, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go be a voice actor. And I moved out to LA with every intention of being a voice actor. Um, and then I got, I got sidetracked. I hated auditioning the worst. Uh. Um, but I wound up meeting people and making friends and, and I kind of fell into it. I got my SAG card for doing a commercial for doing a Tide commercial where I was the voice of like a Pinocchio. Wow. And, um, you know, I'm a real boy. Like, <laughs> something like that. And I got, you know, I got my SAG card. And then I did a, a commercial for Wild Rivers Water Park, which is in Irvine. Mm. And it was, and that could, paid for my car and then i did like a kfc radio campaign that was one commercial that turned into like six commercials and like it was crazy and i was kept getting you know voiceover work but i hated the instability right mm. not knowing where my next sure next coming from i hated that and i wound up going to a temp agency and saying you know i want to i want to work in in tv specifically kids tv and yeah. they got me a temp job at Disney and I was there for nine years. I stayed there for nine years. Um, well, that working my way up through the things. And it sounds that. awesome. I could just tell there that your mom was supportive. You know, I, I used to write and be extremely creative, but my, my parents were very traditional, you know, like my, get a real job. You yeah, know, I was very lucky. My, yeah. my parents, I think very early on, they saw that I was creative and okay. my dad was very, my dad, encouraged all my creative energies he he awesome. would buy me you know like a trip to cvs to the um you know school supply aisle was like that was like heaven wow. you know and i would come away with like a gi joe and a pad of paper and pencils and that was like my favorite you know my favorite trip with my dad um but those were like you know they they never they always saw my my creative endeavors as something i mean they of course they were worried yeah. that like oh my god can he make a living doing this but i think that they they thought you know do whatever makes you freaking happy kid let him try you yeah. know that kind of thing oh that's great i think i'm i'm glad that my my mom was able to live to see you know hey mom i own a house oh she in passed los angeles she passed away <laughs> Yeah, at the beginning uh, of COVID, actually. Oh, um, I'm sorry to hear that. She, um, she wasn't, she wasn't in great health. She, you know, she had COPD, but um, COVID was like a magnet for her, and mm. she was in an assisted living facility. And um, we didn't. I mean, at the time, it was it was December of she died on New Year's Eve, uh, 2019, and I don't think people knew like COVID was a thing then. Like yeah. they know they now track that it was in LA as early as October of 19, and flourishing in assisted living facilities. Yeah. And um, and my mom, my mom was just. It, I mean, it was it was insanely fast, AJ, and it was it was all the signs of COVID. So mm. I think we we didn't we didn't know that it was COVID until probably you know maybe march of 20 march or, or april of 20 and my my husband turned to me he's like i think your i think your mom had this and i was like i think you're right yeah no that was a sad time i've lost both my parents um cancer and kidney disease but um yeah yeah that hit hit hard i remember yeah. that so sorry to hear that so it was so like you know we we were very we took COVID very very seriously and i, I get sure. i would get so angry with people who who didn't take it seriously and i was like 
I lost my mother. So like, yeah, you take it personally because of that. Real thing, people. Yeah. Like this is a real thing. Yeah. All right, we better get back to Masters of the Universe Revolution <laughs> before we, 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 we keep going down to these, you know. I <laughs> know <laughs> like, we can do this for hours, so we better do this before we close it out. Otherwise, they're going to come after me. Um, all right. Uh, so it feels like uh, the continuity of uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation and Revolution is the prime timeline now um, in Motu Dark Horse Comics. And we got the original four-issue Revelation prequel series by Tim Sheridan. The um, And the Revelation Universe was the base timeline in the Tim Seeley's Masterverse comics. And we're getting a four-issue, like, year one um, Revelation Revolution continuity series called The Forge of Destiny, uh, also by Tim Seeley. Um, now, I especially adored the prequel series that Tim Sheridan did for Masters of the Universe Revelation with the Orlax of Primaria. I love that, which was a master stroke to me because um, having a minor character in the series, which was minor in your show, but important in the prequel comic series and important to the overall story, but not necessary to be in the animated series. It was just uh, it added a dynamic layer. It was just magnificent. So again, a long way of asking. Uh, so will there be a similar like comic prequel tie-in to Masters of the Universe Revolution? And will Tim be doing it? Uh, Tim Sheridan? <laughs> A long way to get in the way. <laughs> I, here, here's the thing. Yeah. I'm glad you like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um... there's, definitely, there's definitely lots of layers to unpack that will make uh, Revolution even more richer for your experience. So. Okay. Okay. Um, I have a feeling this is going to be a pattern <laughs> for the next like, five minutes. I like that that Orlax so much that I made one. <laughs> wow, that's awesome! I made it. Tim Tim lost his mind when I showed it to him. It's uh, uh, it, it was one of the the Dianogas from um, from uh, Galaxy's Edge uh, in Disneyland, and and I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that into my Orlax. And it's awesome because I have the Orlax from the Comic Con, you know, what is that? Mysteries of Grey Skull set. Like, oh yeah. That yeah. was that was a little bit of a miss for me. I, I was yeah. very disappointed with the way that, that execution came out. Yeah, I, I wasn't thrilled with it either, but I got it because I just love the Orlax. But uh all right. So last year, uh San Diego Comic Con 2022, uh Kevin Smith told attendees um during that Motu 40th anniversary. Uh, panel that um, we probably could figure out the third series, what it would be called if we thought about it. Uh, like Masters of the Universe Redemption, Masters of the Universe Resurrection, you know, something like that, I guess. Those are good. <laughs> but it seemed like a clear indication that a third entry, that a third chapter was already at least clearly in Kevin's mind. So do you already have the third book of Revelation and Revolution, a third series storyline already mapped out if you get the opportunity to continue? You do. Oh yeah. We okay. we know we know the whole the whole where where it all is going. Okay. Um, and I think you'll see at the end of Revolution, you know, much like we had the 
the motherboard reveal. Yeah. Um, there are two, two moments like that in Revolution that I think will give you an idea of where we're headed with, um, with the, I, I almost said the name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we would have cut it out, you know. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, we, we definitely know where it's going to go. There's, there's some, obviously, Revolution has to do well. Right. We yes. Well, in order to get another season. So, well, I, you know, I was speculating and it's probably bad to speculate that since you guys were only doing five episodes, you know, that maybe that was like secretly greenlit behind the scenes. I, and... I wish. No, the five episodes was was kind of like we wanted if it was if we did 10 episodes. First of all, I don't know if this story would have sustained 10 episodes. Okay. Uh, this feels like a movie. It, this feels like a two and a half hour movie. Um, and, you know, could we have done a, a sixth? Maybe. But I think I think we did a really good job in, in the five episodes. I think in the next one, I'd like, to, I think we, we would need another episode. I think we'd have to do six episodes. I personally think that Revolution, um, I think it's no secret that we wish we would have aired all 10 at once. I think that yeah. the the timeline. I think that would have. I think that would have solved a lot of the the swirl that you know. Oh, this is a show without He Man. I think that I think that a lot of that would have gone away. Maybe not a lot, but maybe some of it. Um, but I think that we we didn't want to sort of drag on again. And and you know, animation takes time. So yeah. we we have Re revolution revelation did well enough that we got revolution i hope revolution does well enough that we can get our third part and then the third part will feel like a nice culmination to our story doesn't mean that that motu would be over at the end of it it's just it it brings us a uh, a new a new state of normalcy that i think people would be like oh yeah that's the freaking show. One of the things that I really liked about there was a lot of stuff that I that I didn't like in the mini comics that came in classics in terms of that storyline. Yeah. But one of the things that I liked was sort of like the new state of the state. Like this is this is the new state of Master Universe for a time, right? Yeah. For a time, and then they'll go back and they'll reboot it. Like that's what happens. Yeah. Um, but I like the idea that there was a new state of the state. I think we want to deliver on that at the end of it. Um, I promise we won't kill He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, about killing things. Let's uh, quickly, <laughs> let's quickly talk Paternia. In, in regards to uh, Paternia, uh, last November, Mattel hosted that Masters of the Universe uh, live stream event to discuss the Eternia playset that we were talking about, uh, the crowdfunding. And Rob David himself, um, one of the three towers of Paternia, as Kevin Smith says, uh, he said that uh, Paternia would be back. So was Paternia perhaps... He said that? He said that. I'm guaranteed. Call for Rob David. I'm going to call him. Hold on. I call him right now. Excuse you, Rob David. <laughs> so Paternia... Was Paternia perhaps mended and restored off screen at no. the end? No. Um, it was not mended and restored off screen. Okay. Uh, and you probably can't elaborate. Like, no. I mean, okay. There's, put it this way uh, yeah. something for a new sorceress to try to figure out, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I knew this is going to be the pattern of this last part. I knew it. But I have to ask. Um, okay. All right. At San Diego Comic-Con, uh, we, we got to see the powerhouse animation model sheet of the new Skeletor, Skeletech, right? Um, I think you said Skeletech in that panel, so I can officially say that. Uh, infused with uh, Motherboard's Technovirus. And he is known among the fan community um, with that green eye, right? And then with and, and the green eye on the right eye socket, and then the left side of his face remains covered with a hood. And there's something going on there, but we can't tell what. But then, thanks to the Mattel's Masterverse figure packaging reveal, of their upcoming Skeletech figure, we got a peek of what was really going on. And under that hood, the left side of the face, it kind of reminded me um, more insect-like, you know, and it had these like red eyes or maybe they were like red LEDs. And it kind of reminded me of the golems from Revelation or maybe mm, those bug things in the matrix. So can you elaborate, um, Ted, on what's going on with his face? To, to any degree so of all of the designs in revolution the design for that skeletor skeletech was the one that was gone through the most iterations um we really wanted to to land on something obviously you know it, it this is a show about toys so we want it to be toyetic right because it's fun because and, and look yeah. i'm not one of these these studio executives is like tell the toy people to stay out of them. No, 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 no. I want, I want to make a toy. So let's make some freaking toys. Um, the concept around that Skeletor started with some sort of hybrid between New Adventure Skeletor and Laser Light Skeletor. That's where the concept started. Okay. We were all very much aligned with wanting to incorporate that that iconography a little bit. And it's, it's there if you look for it. It's there if you look for it. The other part of that is um, it, there's, a, there's an aesthetic to the motherboard sort of cult, right? They all mm -hmm. have that sort of like that cranberry colored robe and the, and the hoods and all of that stuff going on. And then the way that the, um, the motherboard virus sort of adapts is random and... Um, no no two look the same right they're right, all right. they're all very different and very they manifest differently much the way a virus manifests differently in any human um so the the havoc staff being grafted into his arm what is a, it's a story point too that that is it is it is now welded to him um it does light up red at one point um so uh, there is there is a moment where it just you know it glows. Yeah, um, but we really tried to incorporate a lot of the the motherboard stuff that we've already established, mixing it a little bit with the new adventures and uh, laser light, you know, history designs, and then trying to infuse something new. We we still want it to be something new. That's that's exciting. I think that a, a lot of people want the thing that they love. But part of part of keeping a brand alive is is reinvention. It's 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 something new. There is another form that Skeletor will take in in our show 
that is also borrowed from a, an older design, but gives you something new. So I think people will see a little bit more of, of that. And we, you know, I want another toy, right? Yeah, I want, yeah. like, I've got a dozen mermans and I know people were like, oh, I, you know, why are we getting this merman with this, the scarred eye and the, and the no, no armor? It's like, well, because I have a lot of other mermans that look like classic merman. Yeah. Here, something new. Right. And then we'll get to classic merman. Like that's that's kind of the, the the thinking behind it. But let's let's offer something new. And I think that that's what we were trying to do with Skeletech. Now, in terms of what's going on under his hood, you you'll only see a flicker of it in the show. And it's not really a story point, but it is part of what the design was from Eddie and, and Patrick and, and Adam of what they think is going on under there. But again, a lot of it is random, and a lot of it is just manifesting sort of a little bit of that horror idea. So mm. most of the time it'll be it'll be covered. And then the the green lens, the green lens does change color and and there are story points for that too. Oh that's cool. You know, um a lot of people you was talking about this final form and I know you can't mention about it, but a lot of people are hoping that it looks like new adventures uh skeletor, you know, that it sort of bridges that connection, you know, between the two shows. So it will not. <laughs> Just to manage expectations. All right. All right. And, uh, and this maybe this frustrates you, but uh, sticking with those figures, uh, Mattel also displayed Gwildor and Orko 2-pack that looked amazing. Oh, I can't wait for that. But did you, did you see his ears are articulated? Did you no, see I didn't notice that. Gwildor's really? ears are articulated. That's awesome. Oh, I can't wait. I love the classic school door. And uh, so I can't wait for that. I one. love the classic school door too, except it, it only looks, he only looks good with the other movie figures. I wish instead of that giant cosmic key that they gave us in that package, I wish they would have given us a head that looked more like his toy, like a four mm. horsemen sculpted version of his toy head, which I think would have looked better. I would have probably bought two gold doors then and had him with, you know, because now I only have them with my movie figures, but I would have loved to have had a Gwildor with my regular good guys yeah. if he looked more like the toy instead of like the movie. And we needed but a that's just me. We I'm needed just... a, a bucket too of ribs and chicken. Oh, man. I don't know why we didn't get that. <laughs> well, uh, with Gwildor, uh, you must have noticed that um, he came with a power sword um, that had these three. He did? <laughs> yeah, Gwildor came with a power sword. And I was wondering, what is he doing with that power sword? And why is these three little yellow marks on each side of the blade and like half the blade? Look, I, I, I know he likes, Gwildor likes his dipping sauces, but it looks like it was dipped in yellow mustard. <laughs> indeed, AJ. Well, you know what? How about I just tell you the entire plot of Revolution? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So, uh, you know what? Let's let's just do the rest of this as a lightning round because you're not going to be able to answer, <laughs> answer any of this here. So, um, put it this way. Yeah. There's a reason that He-Man is He-Man for as many episodes as he is. How's that? And I have some speculation and that's what I was thinking, but I don't want to. But I did say, I think, I think you posted it or, or yeah, I think you posted it on your Instagram. I did say yeah. the sword is not broken. Gildor is not fixing the sword. The sword is not broken. We did that. 
Sword broke last time. We did that. But we do make a joke about it. We do make a joke about uh, Adam breaking the sword. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's do this lightning round. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Are you ready, Teddy? I'm ready. All right. Uh, the Masterverse Skeletech action figure also comes with a crown he can wear that looks similar to King Randor's, but not exactly. Whose crown is it? And why is he wearing a Teddy? It's Skeletech's crown because he likes a fucking crown. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my hunch is William Shatner will be playing Grandamere in Masters of the Universe Revolution. Can you confirm, sir? No, I cannot confirm. <laughs> <laughs> will Mechanek be appearing in Masters of the Universe Revolution? No. Wow. <laughs> Just, like that. <laughs> Just like that. Wow. Okay. Wow, we got one, folks. He was. He, there was. There was an actually an early draft where Mechanic was, was in there, but he, he is not. Okay. Wow. I didn't expect that. I'm. I'm running out of time. I'm just managing <laughs> expectations. I don't want people to go. Oh, oh, Mechanic's not. No, he's not. So get, well, get used to that when you when you come to watch it. Right. <laughs> Will Zodak be making an appearance? <laughs> okay. Next. <laughs> Will Jason Mewes be returning as Stinkor, Teddy? Jason Mewes is not returning as Stinkor. Hmm. All right. Will my favorite character, Webstore, return? And will he actually have a line of dialogue this time? <laughs> Two questions. <laughs> yes and no. Oh, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> um does queen uh does king randor or queen marlena die next <laughs> will fisto return to fist again <laughs> all right uh will there be any legacy movie actors returning in revolution other than meg foster like Dolph lundgren uh frank Lagello, or courtney cox as julie no, no, no more move. No, no movie actor okay. legacies. There, okay. there may be a couple more legacies that we have not announced yet. That's awesome. Uh, and and finally, I know time's up. I'm sure. Um, will Cobra Khan appear in Masters of the Universe Revolution just so William Shatner can yell? Khan! <laughs> um, no. Cobra Khan, Cobra Khan is not in this. We 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 have not delved into Snake Man storylines yet, and if and when we do, Cobra Khan will be a part of that. Okay, okay. But TBD whether or not whether or not Shatner will be the one to say that. <laughs> that would have been great. That would be great though. But we, by the way, we do have quite a few Shatner lines to. Um, for for the for the diehard Star Trek fans, there are quite a few Shatner lines in there that will make you smile. Oh, I can't wait. And Ted, you've been <laughs> you've been such a sport with these. Man, I, it. <laughs> I mean, because I'm 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 bad, as my friends will tell you. I mean, sometimes I am really good at keeping secrets. I've kept the I've kept who Shatner's playing like yeah. down for so long. I'm gonna I'm gonna explode. Um, <laughs> there's a couple others that that like you know. There are a couple things that you said in there that I was like, oh, oh, oh. Um, and it's hard to not to not spoil it. But yeah, it's not because we're trying to play coy. It's not because we're trying to do anything. We want people to experience the show. And the show by design 
has certain things reveal in in the time of the show for impact for for that that feeling right mm-hmm. um one of the reasons why in the in in the thing we ne- we never said adam died because that's a that's a that's a moment you want to experience you don't i mean should we have told people that adam died so that they could prepare for that no. uh, maybe um I but so. i think that yeah. that's part of that is is the experience of narrative is is being being surprised it's so hard to surprise people in the age of the internet it is so hard so part of part of that enjoyment of you know of seeing patrick stewart as professor x in doctor strange in the multiverse of madness yeah. right like that was just ex- thrilling for a 90s kid who loved that X-Men cartoon and who loved Patrick Stewart in the X-Men movies. And there he is in that yellow hover chair while plays in the back. Like, come on. Yeah. Imagine that being spoiled for you in the moment, right? Like that yeah. to me, that's part of the worst things about the internet culture is that it ruins the moment of enjoyment in the moment. And, and I, I try so hard as somebody who's a, a custodian of content to preserve that like that's it's part of what what i love is for people to experience those turns those highs and lows in the moment i think most of the time us fans don't want to know but it's fun to speculate it's even fun to ask you and just see your responses you know but do i really want to know everything no i want to like be surprised just like everyone else you know i and and i i'm very much in that same headspace like with um like I knew that Motherboard was the exclusive over a year ago. Yeah. And like, you know, chatting with Pixel Dan, like Dan does not want to know. Dan is very, very much like, I want to be surprised. So I was like, do me a favor, text me as soon as Mattel lets you know what the exclusive is. <laughs> so it's like, cause I, I want to talk about it, but I can't talk about it because I also respect people's, you know, intentions. If they don't want to know then I'm not going to spoil something for them. Like that's, that's, that's awful. Hey, speaking of Pixel Dan, um, you were on that Hot Toys podcast, um, the Hot Toy cast with uh, Amon O'Donoghue, yeah. uh, which I just adore. Um, and um, Dan brought up that we're getting new uh, uh, animation figures from Mondo, you know, not just the Skeletor, which I have. There, there, there are some in the works. I don't know how soon they are coming, but I yeah. did. I chatted with the guys when I was in um, at San Diego, and uh, they're still they're still on the in the cooker. So, oh, good, 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 good. All right. So, and I figure that's one way to uh, wrap it up with uh, one more question um, about your toy collection. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Ted has an amazing toy collection and it's not just Masters of the Universe, um, uh, but so many other pop uh, culture collectibles and it's massive. And, uh, and if you go on Ted's Instagram page, you can see his collection in the form of everything from unboxings um, to his awesome toy photography. And, uh, you know, Ted, when I, um, when I see your stuff, I seriously think you can open up a, like a little toy museum when you retire, you know, a little store. That is the plan. That is oh. absolutely the plan. I, I have I'm... always said that when I retire, I am going to open up a little toy museum. I have, I have a garage. Um, this, my toy room, this is mostly modern stuff. So like all, all over here, this is all. Modern. Wow. Okay. Um, but all my vintage stuff is all in my garage. So I, I try to like, I keep saying like, that's what I'm, I'm going to, 
open that up. That'd be awesome, man. And you wouldn't really make any money, but it'd be so fun, you know, and rewarding, I think. I agree. Yeah. But um, all right. So the last question I wanted to maybe end with this with is with such a massive, impressive uh, collection. If I ask you right now, currently, what is your favorite Masters of the Universe brand toys and non-Masters of the Universe toys right now in this moment, which would it be? Um, my favorite Masters of the Universe toys um, are Rotar, Rotar and Twistoid okay. um, because I had the worst case of chicken pox in the world. And my great aunt was in the Cherry Hill Mall in New Jersey and called my mom and said, does he have Rotar and Twistoid in Masters of the Universe? Um, and my my mom asked me and I said, I don't know who they are. <laughs> and I thought it was because I had like 103 fever. Um, and I thought that I was like delirious. And my aunt bought me home Rotar and Twistoid. And it was the first time I had ever heard of them, seen them. Like they were like, it was a new masters of the universe character that I never heard of that. Like we don't, that doesn't happen anymore where, where a toy on the shelf is new to you. That's the first time you hear of it yeah um so those those really mean a lot to me um i have uh over here i have both i have titus and megator oh. in mint and box and i have a a, a, a wonder bread he-man um that's actually a, a, a repro camo con it's oh. not a one i can't take that credit but um those when i first got my first promotion um where i was a, a vp I treated myself and I bought those. Oh. Um, and then, um, so those, those are, those hold special place in my heart. My favorite non masters of the universe toys, um, would likely be, um, you know what I loved? I'm not in tune with toys as much as you, but when I was, uh, when I saw you post inspector gadget, I don't know who made that. Dun, 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 dun. Inspector. Those, those oh. are the Blizz toy Inspector Gadget figures. Those are great. Uh, um, I, you know, what's funny is I like I always say Motu is my number one. Turtles and Ghostbusters tie for tie for number two, and then X Men is number three. Um, I love. I think right now. Yeah, right now. Right now, my favorite non Motu toy is probably. The Dungeons and Dragons Beholder that just came out. Oh, is that the one with the the one eye? It's it's one. It's like honestly, I never thought that we would get one of those figures, but the way that it's executed is just beautiful. Oh. I'm also really in love with GI Joe Classified series right now. I think that they're absolutely like top notch. I love them, um, and I love the NECA Classic Universal Monsters. So I'm a big Universal Monsters fan, and, and I I think they're just knocking it out of the park. I know that's a, those are multiple answers, but that's kind of where my head is. Do you ever see the um, the classic monster? You you know um, Rudolph uh, Rankin Bass. Oh the, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. The party. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not many people know about that. Uh, oh yeah. You know because that one's never seemed to. I guess it was kind of controversial in a way if you think about it now. But uh, oh, and then yeah. what, Boris uh, Boris Karloff was in that. Too. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, mm. I love that. I have actually have action figures of them. There's a there's a Dracula, a Frankenstein, and a Uncle Boris figure, mm. and I have all three of those. Yeah, I'm not sure that that 
what's her name? Natasha. I don't remember her name. Um, she was like a Jessica rabbit. In that thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I forget her name. Natasha. I'm, I'm remembering like that little Igor guy going like Natasha. I, Igor and Felix is, is the boy. Is it Natasha? I think you might be right. Maybe. And Phyllis Diller was in that too. She was Phyllis great. Diller was the bride, the monster, the monster's bride. She was the hostess with the leastest. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I have tortured Teddy long enough. Um, so much fun. Well, that's a wrap all uh we want to thank uh teddy for joining us today uh you've been an absolute delight sir and uh, i appreciate it and um and we appreciate this uh wonderful community out there for listening and watching to this uh watching this podcast now if you enjoyed the show uh please show us your support by liking and subscribing to our streams you can always drop us a line too uh by sending us an email to fourattorney at gmail.com we really appreciate the feedback and as always, please visit us at fourreturnia.com for all the latest updates and news, as well as links to our social media pages like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram that can help you stay up to date with all the Masters of the Universe revelation and revolution content. So that's it. I want to thank you all for listening and watching. And let the power return. Bye, guys. <laughs>